I have this little thing on here. And is my screen working with yours? Push your button to the side screen. It's not working. There you go. Okay. Is that it? Getting there. There we are. Okay, I think we're. I think we've got it. Okay, take your Bible to Psalm chapter one. Psalm chapter one, and I seem to be a little strong here. Is that I'm going to turn me down a little bit? I feel like an echo in here. Okay, thank you very much. <clears throat> you can pray for me. Um, we have a cat now. We um, just about three weeks ago. It was a blessing, actually. <clears throat> my daughter's dog and we've been having keeping it since she was 13 and she got married and went to Utah left us the dog and uh, we came back from vacation and the dog was just not right and it was just his time and uh, uh, so we've been petless for about a month which has been kind of neat you know and how to get up early in the morning at the dog out and late at night let the dog out or during the day let the dog out uh, uh, we lost our cat uh, about uh, oh about nine months ago we, our cat loved to go outside at night, and uh, it went outside one night, and uh, we never saw it again. And uh, I found the collar in the front yard, uh, not even damaged, uh, so we have no idea what happened to that cat. Uh, and so uh, someone contacted us yesterday, knowing we were kind of, kind of looking for a cat. And uh, so uh, this family uh, right near down the road here... Uh, uh, said they had a cat, and they were there. It was starting to cause some uh, scratching on the, the lady who was taking care of it, but it was a nice cat. And so my wife and daughter went down to look at it, and, and Smokey came home with them. And Smokey was fine all last night, didn't make any noise. Uh, this morning I got up and I came out of the bedroom, and there he was standing in the hallway, and he saw me, and he ran downstairs as fast as I've seen a cat run downstairs. The cat really hasn't been downstairs yet. And when I left, they still had not found him. So I have no idea where the cat I said, I pet the cat last night. I was petting it, and it was very friendly, and you know, it let me pet it and hold it and all that. And, uh, so I, but, you know, of course, you've never seen me just out of bed in the morning. And probably that cat scared him really good. So, but uh, you probably have seen me then, too. You probably run, too. But uh, uh, Lord, also pray for us. And I hope my daughter will find the cat before she comes to church. She'll be rather distraught. But I uh, hope it discovered somewhere in our house. But uh, anyway, so pray for us. We have a cat. You know, so we've always been kind of cat people. I, don't, I never, never was a dog person in the first place. Uh, so we're kind of happy where we are now. But Lord, thank you for that. Again, I hope you uh, had a great, uh, great week. Thank you for many of you who prayed for our vacation Bible school and then invited for it. We had a, a good group of kids, a little smaller than we were hoping for, uh, but it was the number God wanted us to have. And we had uh, actually one family that we're actually ministering to right now uh, that may um, may start coming to our church. At least the kids will come to our uh, 
to our patch park patch pirate program and then this fall and one of our families has been spending time with them encouraging them in the lord and so uh, we'll see how the lord leads from brings fruit from that and uh, again so appreciate your prayers for us and uh we had a great time. We've been thankful for letting us use this facility, and uh, it's been a, been a blessing to us. And I uh, appreciate uh, you know, all you've done to make us feel at home here. All right, Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Every once in a while in our lives, we need to hit what I call the reset button. Uh, last Sunday, I was trying to get my PowerPoint to work here on the screen here. It, it worked fine during Sunday school. Uh, in the process of moving it from down the floor to up here in the stage, it got disconnected, and it wouldn't come back on. I couldn't get it to connect to the projector. Uh, I tried resetting, you know, of course, uh, uh, that usually helps. Uh, usually if you've got a computer problem, you, you know, you go hit or shut down or restart. Uh, usually solves most problems, but that problem didn't get solved, at least before I got to preach last Sunday. So we had to do it the old-fashioned way, without notes, okay. But... Uh, uh, we all, every once in a while, you know, my, my wife has a problem with her laptop. You know, I said, don't recognize the way it's supposed to. I said, have you restarted it yet? Well, no. I said, well, do that first, and then, then I'll come in there. And usually after the restart, everything's clear. Sometimes starting over is good. You know, in uh, December the 9th, 1914, Edison Industries was destroyed by fire. Of course, the loss exceeded $2 million. Of course, in that day and time, that was probably $200 million or more here in our time. And, of course, uh, he lost the vast majority of all of his work there in that factory. He had only insured it for $238 because at that time, a cement building was considered to be fireproof. So at 67 years of age, Edison watched his life work go up in flames. Next morning, after the firefighters had finally brought the inferno into control, Edison surveyed the scene. He said, there's a great value in disaster. All of our mistakes are burned up. Thank God we can start anew. Well, three weeks after the fire, Edison Industries produced their first phonograph. So sometimes starting over is okay. Have a new burned out a house, get a new one. You know, you uh, lose a job, you get a new one. <laughs> there, there's, there's value in sometimes losing because one times God can give greater things to us. I had a wonderful ministry in North Carolina as a young person. Uh, been there 12 years until the pastor asked me to go and it wasn't very, f- f- you know, f- friendly go. But the Lord took me from one ministry to another that was greater than the first ministry. God is always good. Sometimes when he turns off the switch, he turns on a bigger switch. Sometimes we lose a small thing. He gives us bigger things. Well, the best way to reach a goal sometimes is a fresh start. I believe Psalm chapter 1, Psalm chapter 1 we're looking at today, is kind of one of those reset buttons for David. David, I believe, was you know, in a, in a position in his life where he was kind of in between being a shepherd and, and becoming king. And uh, how do you restart your life? And then when, when Saul finally is dead and now you have uh, the ability, now the people are looking to you to become king uh, and to lead them in their spiritual lives and in their national life. Uh, I think he, in a sense, he writes this psalm as a reset button in his own life. Uh, this has been said that the, the, the psalm is, of course, a, is actually a, a preface psalm. 
In other words, the purpose of Psalm chapter 1 is to kind of give a, a preview for all that's going to happen in the book of Psalms. Of course, Psalms, I kind of consider Psalms as kind of like low-hanging fruit. Uh, it's easy to get a blessing out of Psalm. You pick a Psalm, you read it, and just re- you feel refreshed after reading a Psalm. Uh, of course, uh, low-hanging fruit is because the fruit is heavy. You know, why does a branch hang down with fruit? Because the fruit is heavy, and it's juicy, and it's moist, and it's good to eat. And, of course, the other idea is that it's easy to pick, because it's right now where you can get to it. And so this preface psalm is kind of the low-hanging fruit as we begin the study of what we're reading in Psalms. Well, of course, the theme of this whole text is to teach the way of blessedness and to warn us of ultimate destruction of sinners. Of course, the idea of blessed is, of course, the idea of a multiplicity of blessings. Uh, the word blessed there is, a, is a, uh, actually a word that is plural in the Hebrew language has the idea of, oh, the blessedness of one who does certain things. So we need to count our blessings. We all know the hymn, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and count your many blessings, see what God has done. So let's look first at the blessedness that God desires for us, kind of uh, maybe in your own heart. If I don't get to come back sometime and re- finish this uh, series of messages. Uh, that you'll maybe refresh in your no understanding of Psalm chapter 1. First of all, I want to see what I call the contentment of blessedness. The contentment of blessedness. You know, many times you've asked the kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I want to be a firefighter, you know. I want to be a logger. Or I want to be a truck driver. Or I want to be a lawyer. I want to be the president. Oh, please, we need one of those. <laughs> We need. To, I want to be a teacher, or I. I, I want you know this. But there's always that one kid in the class, right? Ooh, 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 ooh me. Choose me. Choose me. Yeah, okay. Yes, Johnny. What What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I want to be a tree. I want to be a what? I want to be a tree. The Bible tells me in Psalm chapter one verse three that I should be like a tree. Now, many of us don't look at a tree, you know, being a tree as some noble thing. How many roads in our town are named after trees? How many cities in our nation are named after trees? Every single state has a state tree. Why? Well, trees are noble. They're, they're, they're growing. They're, they're everywhere. Of course, um, I was listening to some news about this hurricane coming, and, and, they, and they, they were afraid for New England because they showed a map of, uh, you know, of a, kind of a, a satellite map you know, of our area, and it's all green. That's because it's full of trees and trees that can be blown over uh, and power can go out. And, uh, but most of our trees don't fall. They are pretty strong. They stay up. But we want to be like a tree. Again, look at verse 3 of chapter 1. It says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Again, this is talking about that blessed man who brings forth his fruit and his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So what can we learn about what God wants us to be in his word by looking at this word picture of a tree? What do these... Words in this verse help us to understand about our, what our life should be like if we are that blessed person. Well, first of all, he, he is secure. Look at the verse again. And he shall be like a tree planted. 
And we're planted by the Lord. And we are not wild or, or, or we're, we, we are chosen. We're cultivated. We're considered as property. You know, I, I like to plant gardens. I particularly like peas. I, I, I love it when my peas come in. And this year I had a little bigger crop of peas than I've ever had, and I've been really happy with my peas. But I didn't walk out to the garden and take my pea packet and just kind of dump it out in the ground or throw the seeds out there. Okay, you hope you guys have fun. I hope you guys grow. No, I, 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 I plow the garden with my rototiller. I, then I've got a, I added some loam this year. Then I, I put some fertilizer in and I rototilled it again. I take all my chicken manure that I have for my chickens and throw it out there. And uh, So I... And then finally you get, a, you get a rake it and you put some rows in and put some stakes in and you put the peas in and, and then you've got to, of course, weed it and water it and watch it. Uh, you've got to watch as the peas, the, peas, the peas grow. You've got to put strings up to help them so they're not just flopping down on the ground. I want them up hanging high so they can see the sun. And so there's a lot of preparation and cultivation going in before I finally get those peas and pull them out of their pot and put them in that pot of water and put some butter and salt on them and then watch them melt in my mouth, you know. There's a whole lot of work going on. But God says a blessed person is one who is secure because he's planted by the Lord. God doesn't just cast us out like wild seeds in a forest, but he plants us like an orchard. Have you ever flown into, uh, into Greenville, South Carolina on an airplane? If you watch out the airplane, you can see the, the peach orchards below you. You know, you'll see these forests and trees growing everywhere. All of a sudden, you see this flat land, and all of a sudden, every tree is in a row. Why? Because they've been planted purposefully, placed in just the right distance apart, the right height that they grow, uh, and so that they can have the greatest abundance of peaches. They're planted. So we too, as believers, we can rest secure in the sovereign care of God. Ephesians 1 4 says, According he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, we should all be holy and not blame before him in love. And we were cared for and cultivated. He brought us into the families that we live in, into the state where we live. He brought us to everything we have is brought from his, his guiding hand. He brings us then to his love and he shows us what he did for us on the cross. And we accept him. We were created with this incredible care and omniscience of God. Before I loved him, he loved me. 1 Peter 5, 7, I can cast all my care upon him. Why? Because he careth for me. So he is also beyond. He's also prepared a permanent dwelling place for me. John 14, uh, we read these verses at funerals, but that's not the only purpose for them. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, ye may be also. You see how many times he uses the word ye and you in that passage? He has this, you could put your name in there. Let not Steve's heart be troubled. Steve believes in God. Believe also in me and my father's house or many mansions. We're not so I would have told Steve. And if I go and prepare a place for Steve, and I will go and prepare a place for Steve too, and I will come again and, and receive Steve unto myself, that where I am, there Steve may be also. You know, that's God's care for you individually. Of course, the only way to be prepared to accept Christ and to be in heaven is to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I believe all of you here have done that. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, then you're planted in God's family. And once planted in God's family, you are secure there. God, No one can take you from God's hands or from his family. You're safe and secure in his family, the family of God. That's where it starts. What blessedness it is to know that I have an eternal home in heaven and I may fail him and I do fail him and I may not be as, as faithful or as loving or whatever you might say as, as I should be. But I have the security of knowing Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm that tree planted by God. But it gets better. Not only am I a tree that's planted, I'm secure, but I also am supplied. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. See, there's an abundance of, uh, without fear of drought. You know, last summer we were experiencing some rather pretty significant drought here. We were experiencing it up until July. July happened to be the wettest July pretty much in New Hampshire history. Praise the Lord. My, I was on vacation for a while. My garden did just fine while I was gone. In fact, it was too fine probably. Almost too wet. And we're going to get a little wetter today probably. And tonight and tomorrow. But when God plants you, he doesn't plant you in a desert. Now, he may call us to go to a desert to, to, you know, to minister. But that doesn't mean we're dry. Because with him, we always have water. In Psalm 65, verse 9, you see on the screen there, Thou visitest the earth and waterest it. Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. See, a blessed tree knows the source of his life. Philippians 4 9, God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thankfully, it says they are not by the government's riches or by my riches. God supplies us with his riches. John 14 6 again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the source of our life. Uh, I love to read the story of the woman in Samaria in John chapter 4. In fact, you may want to turn your Bible to John chapter 4, verse 7. John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. Jesus Christ told his disciples, I need to go through Samaria. Of course, to the Jewish disciples, that was an odd thing. The Jews just didn't go to Samaria. That's one of those slum areas you just didn't go into. But Jesus does, because he knows he has a meeting with a woman in Samaria who is thirsty. Look at verse 7, John 4, verse 7. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him. Of course, the question I ask sometimes is, why didn't the disciples say, hey, can we draw you some water before we go? They were, you know, these, these disciples were somewhat clueless from time to time in their life. And if I were a disciple of Christ, I, before I left, you know, to go get meat, and we go, you know, of course, why are they going to get meat? Well, they're hungry. <laughs> uh, you know, Christ, can we get you some water before we go? Uh, maybe the Lord was glad they'd forgotten because now he could talk to this woman about water. and Give me to drink. Verse 9, and said, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, 
Ask, just drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. But Jesus does. Aren't you glad God loves everybody? He brings water to anyone who asks for it. Jesus answered and said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said, she's kind of, she's getting, her curiosity is up. The woman said, well, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, and from whence hast thou that living water? What do you mean by living water? Is this some kind of Java water? You, you get it from Fiji or something, or is it from Walmart? You know, where does this water come from? Is it in a bottle? You know, most people get water in a bottle now. You know, it's just kind of an odd thing for us to do. But the woman said to her, you know, uh, verse 12, thou art, greater, art thou greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? You know, this is, this is a well that had been there for thousands of years, hundreds of years, uh, that Jacob had dug. And it was, it's still there today. If you go into that city, I, I saw it myself. It's still there. Still bubbling out water in an artesian well. People there are still drinking from that water. And Jesus said, well, there's something else better than this well. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes in this world, we get caught up with the physical things and forget about the spiritual things that are more important. And Jesus answered to give her the right perspective and said, whosoever drink of this water shall thirst again. You drink here, you're going to come back tomorrow, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. How many times do you turn the spigot on in your house during the day? How many times do you get to go, and go into your refrigerator and get a glass of water? You turn on the coffee pot and have another coffee, cup of coffee. We do it all the time. And we have to do it again and again and again. And I have to keep drinking coffee or I'll get headaches the next day. So and we're, we're addicted to those things sometimes. But there's something better. Verse 14, whoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. But what a gift. Sometimes in our life we feel, we feel kind of dry. You know, we've, maybe uh, we've just not been uh, the spiritual growth maybe we've been wanting in our life. We don't know where to turn. Where Jesus says, come to me. If you're hungry and thirsty, I can give you water where you will never thirst. You know, again, Jesus talks about a wonderful supply in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to turn there for a moment too. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, beginning of verse 24. Matthew 6, 24. Verse 24 is kind of an introduction to this section. It says, No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The idea of that verse is every one of us has to come to a decision moment in our life and we say, is God going to be the Lord of my life or not? Who am I going to make God in my life? Are you going to make it Lord? Maybe the Lord be my God or the physical things of money and mammon in this world. Now there are some people, many young people particularly, they're like, wow, if I, if I give up all of this stuff that my friends have and the, these, these philosophies and ideas and the music and the TV and the, the internet and you know, some of these things I know, I know are not good for me, but you know, if, if I really make the God the Lord of my life, it's going to, you know, you know, God's going to hurt me. He's going to take away all these things from me. You know, is that Satan's lie to you and to us? If we, we decide to serve God, first of all, and put him first place in our lives, 
Satan comes and says, well, do you understand what you're going to have to give up? Do you understand the sacrifice you're going to have to make to serve the Lord? Do you know what things you're going to have to say no to? Things that, things that your friends have all the time and, and you're going to have to say, no, I can't do that. I can't go there. I can't, I can't eat this or drink this or have this. Because I, 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 travel, I, I serve the Lord. And Satan comes to us with those lies that, you know, boy, it's a, it's a real sacrifice to serve God. You know, you, you, God will probably send you to Africa or to the Amazon where there are snakes and bugs and, you know, the mosquitoes that will carry you away. And, you know, that's Satan's lie to you. Because look at the rest of this passage. If you decide to make God the Lord of your life, and you decide that he is enough for you, and that he will satisfy and bring you the supply that you need. Look what he does. Look at verse 25. Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life. Really, you don't have to worry about your life anymore if you give it to God. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor for your body, what you should put on. We could add what house we live in, <laughs> what job we have. Those things are gifts from God. Verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. He motivates us to put up bird feeders. We can watch them. And are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, could add one cubit unto your stature? And why take you thought for raiment? You know, we like closets, don't we? My closet is full. My, my dad used to have a, a poem for my, my mother, of course. My mother was an angel, right? <clears throat> and he had this poem, and he, and he actually put it on a plaque and put it right on the window you know, where she did her dishes. He said, my wife is an angel, always up in the air, always harping about something and never if anything to wear. <clears throat> you know, so, of course, my, my, my mother had a really good comeback. I'll give it to you later. Um, but consider the lays of the field, verse 28. How they grow, they toil, not do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Uh, my wife did a recital yesterday on the piano, and a lady gave her a whole bucket of flowers, you know, from their garden. And that, those flowers are sitting on our table, in our front room, on our dining room table now, and they're just gorgeous. You know, Solomon is nothing on those flowers. God brought those up, he didn't give us anything. Verse 30, therefore, if, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? And here's the crux. O ye of little faith. So what's our response to this? We, we are to make God the Lord of our life. He promises then to supply everything that we need. What is our response? Well, look at verse 32. We see a response. And that is this. Number one, stop being anxious. Look at verse 31. Take no thought. Stop being anxious. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what all shall we be clothed? You know, we hear those, can you hear the, 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 the whimpering in that passage? What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What am I going to put on? You ever listen to a teenager groan in the morning? You know, I don't, my closet and nothing to wear today to church. You know, or I, you know, my daughter has, you know, like, you know, we all have those big closets. There's plenty of, now, we men's closets are a little, you know, maybe not as st- stuffed as we women's closets. I'm, I'm not saying bad about you ladies. Just, you know, we, we like to buy clothes. Okay? You like nice things. It's good. It's good to have those. 
Let's not worry about them. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. See, we are all good at building idols, aren't we? We're, we, we are idol factories. You know, I, I, these, this, this clothes becomes my idol, or this, this possession becomes my idol, or, or this person becomes my idol. And I, I, I think, I'm, I think more, it's more important for that situation or that attitude or, or that possession becomes more important to me than God and his sufficiency for me. Stop building idols. Don't be anxious. And then we have to trust our Father's care. Look at verse 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Can we can define our world by that phrase? What is our world seeking? Will they seek peace? Are they finding it? I don't think so. They're trying to find financial security? I'm having a hard time with that one. Trying to find you know, honesty in our government? I'm having a real hard time finding that one. We can't even trust anyone anymore today. Well, we can trust our Father's knowledge. Look at the next part of the verse. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Do you realize you don't have to pray for your needs? You don't have to. No, we, God asks us to make supplication and come to him with our requests. Those are commands from God. But is it because we need to inform God about what our needs are? No, I don't need to remind him what my needs are. He knows my needs. And he's already probably taken care of them long before I knew that I had a need. Uh, I've seen God prepare things in my life years in advance. You ask them, why did, why did God do this? Why did this happen to me? And then you live your life and then all of a sudden that, that kind of light comes on. Now I know why God did that. He was working for this situation happening right now. He knew about it 20 years ago. And now he's bringing it to vision right. He, he had that happen for this moment. God prepares us. He knows our needs. And he prepares us for them. Trust him. You know, we don't know what tomorrow brings. We'll see that in just a moment. But I have a God who knows what tomorrow brings. And so what we should do is seek him first. Verse 33. We should look for him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you. The Gentiles are seeking them. They're, they're, they're living their lives for things. and they're, all, all they do is for some physical you know, manifestation. But we have to just do one simple thing. Seek him. <laughs> Life's really pretty simple. Seek the Lord. Seek Him first. Don't make Him the prominent position in your life. Make Him the preeminent position. You know the difference in those two words? You know, Colossians 1.18 says that we, He, that's Jesus Christ, might have the preeminence. That doesn't mean prominence. That He's important. Preeminence means He gets the first choice in my life. I make Him first. Maybe it's the first thing I think of in the morning. Last thing I think of in the morning, before I go to bed. It's the first thing I think of when I have a food presented to me. I thank the Lord for that food, and I pray for God's thankfulness to it. But before I answer the phone, maybe I should, well, will it help me to answer the question this person has on the phone? I mean, prepare me to, to be you know, polite to this person, even though they're asking about my auto warranty. 
for the thousandth time. But seek Him first. You know, where else does God belong? Belongs first in our life. And so what's the next step? We'll start today. You know, we're being anxious. God says, stop it. Trust me. Seek me. And start right now. Look at the verse, 30, uh, verse 34. Therefore, no thought, take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What's, what he's saying there is that it's wrong to postpone doing right today by the pretense of needing to plan for tomorrow. Well, I mean, you know, if I make this decision today, how will it affect me tomorrow? How will it affect whether I get a job tomorrow now, or whether whether I, I, I you know I get a position tomorrow, whether you know whatever it might be in my life, you know what, what if what if I make a decision today that may hurt those chances or and God says tomorrow's going to bring enough troubles on itself. <laughs> Every day brings its own trials, so just start right now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Well, I'll 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 give God my life just before I die, and then I can live my life the way I want to live, and then then I can go to heaven happily. Well, it doesn't happen that way. See, anxiety draws a picture of despair and it occupies our mind with a day that will never come. That's why the Bible tells us today is the day of salvation. But today is also the day of lordship in Jesus Christ in our hearts. See, it'll be tougher to start tomorrow because tomorrow brings its own trouble. So let's stop being anxious. Because God wants us to understand that we are supplied. We are that tree that's planted by the rivers of the water. So we are secure. We are supplied. But it gets better. We're also satisfied. We're producing seasonal fruit. Again, look at the text. Uh, that's fruit, fruit that brings forth its fruit in his season. You see, a tree that is in distress because of drought sacrifices the size of the fruit to save the life of the tree. When you have an apple tree or a pear tree or a peach tree and, and there's no rain, you know, the, the tree understands that it has to survive. So sending all that water to make those peaches or apples big and juicy, it sends them to the leaves to preserve the life of the tree in the photosynthesis. But a tree that's planted by the rivers of water can be satisfied. Plenty of water there. Remember when Jesus fed the 4,000 and the 5,000? Did Jesus just provide just enough to get him by till they got home? Well, what does the verse say? Matthew 14, 20. They did all eat and were filled. The word also can be translated satisfied. Do you ever pull back from a meal like, oh, man, I just can't eat anymore. Man, there's no way I can eat one more bite. Man, I'm stuffed. That's the way these people left that meal. You know, the disciples had to go around and pick up all the scraps because no one else could eat them. And they, they were so full that they didn't want to take it with them even. You know, like, you know, sometimes when I go to a restaurant, you get that doggy box, you know. You get a box, you put the food in so you can have it, take it home. You know, sometimes you get so full, I don't, I don't want to see this again. You know, I've eaten too much of this. That's what these people were. But God doesn't just want to fill us with physical food. He takes care of that. But he also wants to give us spiritual food. And he gives it to us just as abundantly if we ask for it. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which what do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled or satisfied. You know, in the season of life, when we finally get it, 
We understand that spiritual hunger is more important than satisfying my physical hunger. And God begins to supply us the fruit of the Spirit. Have you really read over the fruits of the Spirit recently and asked yourself this question? Would I really be satisfied without these fruits? You know, fruits of season grow in every season. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against their, such there is no law. Would you be satisfied today in your life if you didn't have any love? What would your life be like without love? No love of a spouse or a parent or others around you, brothers and sisters in Christ? No love from God? Can you imagine that kind of life? But that's the kind of life everyone around us is living. They don't understand true love. They know what lust is. They really don't know what love is. But imagine a life without love. How about a life without joy? I like to tell jokes. You like to tell jokes? I, 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 I'm, you know, I, I gave on Father's Day, I told our, our men a whole pile of bad dad jokes. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty funny, some of them. You imagine not laughing. Every once in a while, you just have to have a good belly laugh once in a while. And, and, but the greatest joy is not so much in some physical joke you hear from someone say, but it's, you know, you, when you just you, you read a passage of Scripture and go, wow, I, didn't ever, I never saw that before. And, and that, that joy just comes, wow, that was wonderful, you know. It was, it was a great meal from God's Word. And as I read that Word or I heard a message or whatever, or I was reading my devotions, and God brings joy. God doesn't want us just to be running around with our, our lips hanging down to the ground like, oh, woe is me, I'm a Christian life. It's so awful to sacrifice for God. No, it's, it's wonderful. You know, I do, I'm reading a book right now, I'm looking forward to getting to the end of it, but uh, it's, it's a book about the fear of God. Sometimes we, we get the wrong idea about we should all live in the fear of God, like we, fear is, we should you know, be in such awesome fear of God, we were afraid to go to him. Do you realize how many times the word fear of the Lord and joy are mentioned in Scripture in the same verse? How many times the fear of the Lord and the love of God are mentioned in the same verse? It's, to me, it's the, 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 the fear of God is really, we, we tremble and rejoice with God. We should be happy with God. We should have joy in Him. And what did Jesus Christ say? I came to bring you joy that you might be, what, full of joy. You might be abundant. God didn't come to be an Indian giver and take away everything from us. He wants to give to us. He gives us joy. You imagine a, a world without peace. Well, we, we, we're seeing it right now. There's a world without peace because they're all serving away from God and the, the world is crashing around us. Uh, the, the world doesn't understand peace. But, you know, I can. there are times in our lives where we can just like, we sit down and we read our scripture, we, maybe we're with our friends, and we're just like, well, this... This is the way it ought to be. This is peaceful. I like to go out. Remember, I, I was a camp counselor in Pennsylvania one summer, and, and you know, it sets high stress. You're trying to keep kids in line and have fun with them, and you know, try to give them the word of God and try to counsel them. But you know, they're like it's like herding cats. You know, I know about cats. So, in, on the weekends, I would take a canoe and I'd go out to the middle of the lake. And stop the canoe and just sit there in the quiet and the peace. 
and reflect upon God and what good things he had done for me that week and what I had learned about him and just renew my heart for the next week of terror that I was about to face. But he gives peace. Imagine a world without long-suffering where everyone is hostile to you. Imagine going to Walmart. Can I help you? No! <laughs> you, know, just, you know, usually most of them are pretty polite about helping you. They, you know. But imagine that, that there, there's a world where there's no one has long-suffering. I, I don't know where that thing is in the store. You find it yourself. You know, and, and imagine if, if, all the, you know, if all the service you know, technicians were that way. And imagine you know, a service man coming to your house to fix your refrigerator and kicks it four or five times. You know, like, I don't work okay now. Don't call me again, you know. Imagine no long-suffering, no patience. Imagine no gentleness. Can you imagine a world without any gentleness? How about without goodness? A world without faith. A world without meekness. A world without temperance. Everything's out of control. Now, we, we live in the middle of all that, don't we? But yet we have the supply from the Holy Spirit. We have the fruit in his season. In the midst of loneliness, he brings love. In the midst of sorrow, he supplies it with joy. In the midst of conflict, he gives us bucket loads of peace. There's a story once of a a painter or a king who asked all of the subjects in his kingdom to, uh, to paint a picture of peace. And he was going to get all those paintings and decide which one would be the, the greatest painting in, about the peace. And so many people submitted uh, artistic work and finally he picked down, came down to, to two choices. One was a picture of a calm lake. It was a mirror, perfect mirror image of the mountains behind and the peaceful sky. And the, the overhead was blue, fluffy clouds. And it, whoever wanted to saw that picture like... That's a perfect picture of peace. But there was another picture, though. It had mountains, too, but these mountains were ragged and bare. And above was an angry sky from which the rain fell and lightning played. And down the side of the mountain tumbled a a foaming waterfall. Didn't look very peaceful at all. But when the king looked, he saw behind the waterfall a tiny bush growing in a crack in the rock. And in that bush was a mother bird with his nest. And there in the midst of that rush of angry water sat the mother bird on her nest in perfect peace. Of course, which picture do you think he chose? Of course, he chose the second one. Why? Because the king said, because peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise or trouble or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That's the real meaning of peace. So we can have peace today in this world. In the midst of pain, he brings long-suffering. In the midst of stress, he brings gentleness. In the midst of evil, he supplies goodness. In the midst of trials, he supplies faith. In the midst of opposition, he supplies meekness to us to help us get through those oppositions. In the midst of temptations, he brings us self-control and temperance. One person prayed this prayer. He says, I asked God for strength that I might achieve, but I was made weak that I might obey. Well, I asked for health that I might do greater things, and I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy, and I was given poverty, poverty that I might be wise. 
I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. But I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. But I was given life that I might enjoy all things. So I received nothing that I asked for. But all that I hoped for. My prayer was answered. I am most richly blessed. See, the whole point of the matter is this, that Jesus is the source of all of our satisfaction in life. What did Jesus say in John 15, 5? I am the vine, ye are the branches. But he that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. When we come to the end of our rope, we come to the end of our rope. And we look up. And he's there to supply. Are you satisfied with what God has given to you? Do you find him more than enough in your life? Are you searching searching for more? Well, if you're searching for more, you're going to the wrong place because he's already given it to you what you need. And he has supplied us. He makes us in that supply satisfied with what he has given to you. My dad's favorite song Still is his favorite song, as far as I know. Is that hymn called Satisfied? I suggest you find it and read it sometime. It's a great message about the satisfaction we have in Christ. I can find satisfaction through him, through him alone. So a blessed tree is secure and supplied and satisfied. Quickly, we'll finish here. He's also strengthened. And he is, his leaf also shall not wither. In the health of of the leaf is usually revealed in the condition of the root. Isn't that the, the story of the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, verse 6? It said, when the sun was up, they were scorched. Talk about the roots. The plant was scorched. Why? Because they had no root, and they withered away. Romans sixteen eleven gives us a, a, a good principle. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. We are commanded to abide in the vine. Jesus Christ. And if we do, our leaf won't wither. See, the leaf is kind of like our appearance of pleasure as a testimony to the world of the goodness of God. Matthew 5 says, let your light so shine before men. Why? Well, first of all, they're going to see your good works. They're going to see what you did. They're going to see your actions. But what's important about them seeing your good actions? You know, is it, is it important that our world sees us doing honest things? Yes. Is it important that our world sees us being hard workers? I think yes. The world, is, is, the world can't see spiritual things. They can only see physical things. They don't have the sight that we have. And so we, to show them spiritual things, we need to show them physical things. Things they understand. What happens then? That they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. Every time you gripe or you complain, what a poor testimony that is to our world. And I'm glad that, you know, when you had your house burned down, you know, the, the testimony around this, this city is that, well, here's a person who trusts God. Even in a bunch of disaster. Hey, God is good. You know, the world sees that. They don't understand it. But it will stick in their mind, and they'll one day glorify God because of it. See, God is the Christian source of strength. Psalm says it often, Psalm 18, 1 and 2, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. 
The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? For the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Isaiah 22, 12, verse 2, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. See, only God's strength can protect us from the spiritual diseases of materialism. Got to have things. Got to have stuff. Instead, God wants us to have contentment. Instead of the the disease of pride. uh, It's all mine. Instead, God wants to give us humility to see it's all his. The world wants us to have self-dependence. You can do it yourself. That's what our, our schools are teaching our kids today. You don't need anybody else. It's all inside of you. No, it is not. That's a disease. We need to extricate that disease because we need God dependence. God is the one we need to fear and love. Get rid of that disease of bitterness. You know, why did God do this to me? Why is this happening to me? I don't understand this. Instead, we trust and we forgive those around us. Wasn't that one of the biggest parts of the Lord's Prayer? Forgive our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's easy to be bitter. Real easy. It's real easy to be angry. God says, I'm going to give you a better choice. Get rid of those diseases that affect the roots. And so that I can give you the fruit that you need to have. And be strong. Be strong in the Lord, as the song goes. So the blessed tree is secure and supplied and satisfied and strengthened, but it gets better still. Look at the last part of the verse. We also can be successful. See, God doesn't give us all of these things so that he, he'll watch us fail. See, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now, that doesn't mean you get rich. Now, if you were to go through the scriptures and look at all the places where it mentions success or prospering in the Old Testament and the New Testament, every time you will see that it's based upon how someone responds to the word of God. Joshua and Joshua 1 verse 8, you know, God said, you know, Moses told Joshua, you know, you got to know these commands. You got to follow God. And then I'll make you a success. Success is based upon God's will for our lives and finding it. Remember Joseph? He was slandered. He was hated. He was sold. He was falsely accused. He was imprisoned. But the scripture tells us that everywhere he went, in Potiphar's house, in jail, Pharaoh's house, he was a success everywhere he went. Why? Well, the Bible tells us why. Joseph says, because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. See, when we choose to do God's things, God's ways, God prospers. Now, sometimes it's not by numbers or money or finances. but It's our heart. He fills our heart with the things that we need. He's more than enough. See, God desires all of us to be successful 
in our Christian lives. He wants our hearts to be full of the fruits of the Spirit. And what is success? Of course, success is simply this. It's just knowing what God wants you to do and doing it. Find out what God wants you to do. Well, be the, be the best you know, garbage man you can be if you're a garbage man. You know, if you're a teacher, be the best teacher you can be. If you're you know, a, a, just a church member, just be the best church member you can be. Whatever place God puts you, if you're a student, you're in school, just be the best student you can be. Just find what God wants you to do right now and do it. You know, the future will take care of itself. Well, I, I want to be that person there. Well, well, do what you need to do now. I keep reminding my daughter, it's tough. You know, there's kids in school. You know, you know they're, they're, she has these you know, big plans for the future, for, for the next day or for the next week. But she's neglected to do some of their simple responsibilities that morning. <laughs> Boys, none of that happens. Nothing happens until your responsibilities are taken care of. No other things happen until the things that you required of you are done first. When those things are done, and then there's going to be extras. And God kind of comes the same way. You know, there, there are certain things that have to be done in our spiritual lives. We have to love him, serve him, fear him, do things for him, read his word, obey and God brings to us then success. We can't make success happen on our own. We need him. We go back to Philippians 4 at 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Glory by Christ Jesus. And if we're constantly in God's word and doing his will, we cannot fail. Do you have faith to believe that? That whatsoever he doeth, shall prosper. That's the way to live. But how do we get this? You know, there are conditions. Uh, you ever gone to a website and, at the, and they, you, before you leave the certain page, you have to scroll down to the bottom where it says, click, if you've read the terms and conditions. You ever do that? No. <laughs> no one reads those things. There was a lady who said, you know, I feel so ignored that I should just change my name to terms and conditions. <laughs> no one likes conditions. They, they, they want the good stuff, right? You want, you want to go to that website and look the information you want and, or you want to get to the bank or, you know, website and you get to withdraw your money. But you got to click that little button first, you know, about reading, this, reading all these things. And, and uh, no one ever does. And, but, you, but you click on the box so you can get the good stuff. Well, God has terms and conditions too. And uh, Deuteronomy eleven twenty six says, Behold, I have set before you today a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord of God, which I have commanded you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside out of the way which I commanded you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. Unfortunately, maybe only a minority of men and women will strive to be the blessed person God wants them to be. And a majority will just say, well, I, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll do it later. We'll be a part of the minority or part of the majority. See, there are conditions to being secure and supplied and satisfied and strengthened and successful. We find them in verse 1 and 2. You have to separate from the world, wickedness. You can't stand Walk with sinners. You can't stand in the way of the wicked and sinners. You can't sit down in the seat of the scoffers or scorners. 
But you have to delight in God's word. You need to be separated from wickedness, but you also be saturated in the word. His delight is in the, what? the law of the Lord. And his law, he what? Meditates day and night. See, if you want to be that blessed person that receives all the gifts from verse 3, go back to verse 1 and 2. Are you doing those things? Again, if I get a chance to come back sometime again, I'll get those details for you. But maybe in your own, your own spiritual study, read what, what it is to be, what the conditions God places. And we happily then follow God's commands so that we can be that secure and supplied and satisfied and strengthened and successful believer he wants us to be. We have a choice. Let's make it a choice for him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this time you've given us together into your word. Help us to really understand what it means to be a blessed man or woman or young person. Help us to realize that there's some conditions you placed on these things. And help us in our spiritual lives as we search those things and we find them. That we will obey them. Because Lord, all of us I know have a desire. We want to be secure in you. Never have any doubts of our eternal security. But we all want to be supplied so we have enough. Spiritually as well as physically. And we want to be satisfied. Have that joy of knowing that that, that, that supply is more than enough. And we need to be strengthened against the diseases that might attack our roots. Help our leaves to be strong and the fruit to be abundant. And help us in all the, everything we do that we seek your help in being successful in those things. So that when people see our works, they can glorify you and not us. Can we thank you for your word. Thank you for this reset we can put in our lives. Help us to focus our attention upon you as we seek to serve you every day of our lives. And even when trials and pains and disappointments come, it really won't really matter because we can be above them all because you have given us so much. And we'll pray these things in your name. Amen.